I'll be reading this morning from the book of James, chapter 4. As you find that, you can stand, and I will read James 4, beginning in verse 13. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we shall go to such and such a city, and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. You do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to the one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. I'll pray. Lord, I thank you, God, for your... um, faithfulness to us, the steadfastness of your, your love and grace, and that you are unchanging. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You are our rock, and there is no other. And we thank you, God, that we can have just such um, certainty in an uncertain world because of you. And we ask, God, that as we just think on these things this morning and that your word that you would strengthen and encourage our hearts in the new year that's ahead. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> well, it is a new year, and, um, and I was going to go back to Matthew, but my wife said, I ought to say, you know, give a new year's sermon. So that's what I'm doing. Um, I have one friend that refers to his wife as the Holy Spirit, but I won't do that. <laughs> Um, but I, I do, I'm thankful for um, this year that the Lord's taken us through and it's, that it's over and, um, and for the new year that's ahead. And as we think about a new year, and some of us maybe are more prone to New Year's resolutions and, and evaluating where we've been and where we're going, um, I've never been all that much inclined that way. Um, but there, it is a good time to just pause and reflect and to give thanks on God's faithfulness, to look back over the year and see how once again God has been to us everything that he would promise to be and to do. I read from this passage here in James because it talks about uncertainty, that we would be foolish to say to make our plans as though we know what's coming tomorrow. And we are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. And so we live with much uncertainty, and and that should be always taken to heart and mind as we make our plans, um, because we don't know what today is going to bring, much less tomorrow or the day after. But there are many things that we can be certain about, and those are some of the things that I wanted to, to talk about this morning in a life where there's much that we can't be certain But before even doing that, I just want to say, you know, as I reflect back over this year, I am so grateful uh, for many things. And as I I look at our church here at Bernie Bible Church and the ministry at His Hill Bible School where I'm involved, I just see just such great blessings in in both places. And yes, um, um, people coming is a blessing and finances being supplied is a blessing, But there have been so much more, much more than those things, though I'm grateful for that, that that our church has been full, um, the Bible school is full, 
um, finances are in place, and, um, and that's all just the grace and goodness of God. I'm reminded of something that um, Russell Kelfer used to say at Wayside Chapel as one of the elders and teachers there, that um, as God pours out his blessings, it ought to humble us and keep us more dependent and on our knees because it's not because of what we deserve. He said in one place, and I've quoted him before on this, if God is using us, it is because we are the least likely candidates he has to succeed on our own. Don't you love that? If God is using us, it is because we are the least likely candidates he has to succeed on our own. In other words, if God is using you, it's because he couldn't find somebody more um, unqualified. And if he blesses what he does in spite of us, what right do we have to claim title to his virtues? It is totally by God's grace. And that needs to always be reminded and kept in mind. And I also just am personally just very thankful for um, you all and just the, the continued um, kindness that is shown to us as a family, to me personally. Uh, it is not lost on me, the patience and, and, and forbearance um, and forgiveness that's extended to me. I know that I often say things that are not politically correct or, you know, or maybe insensitive, and, um, and I'm thankful for the continued patience and love and, as I said, forgiveness. For your kindness, for your generosity, um, I'm very, very grateful for how God has used you in my life personally and my family to, to bless us, and we're, we are deeply grateful. I just went through and, and I did a word search on I know, I know. Yes, I've never done that before. And, um, and it's amazing just to see where sometimes that statement, I know, is clustered. Um, there's a few of them in Psalms. There's quite a few in, in the book of Job. Um, and it's just interesting, especially in Job, because they have all these I know statements, um, and some of them, they were wrong. <laughs> and at the end of the book, God has 70 questions that they can't answer trying to show them you don't know nearly as much as you think you know. But one thing Job did say, I know that my Redeemer lives. And at the last, he will take his stand on the earth. That's, as you know, Job is the first oldest book in the Bible. It's not the first book in, that we have. Genesis is obviously the first in our Bible, but Job is the oldest. Job didn't even have a Bible when he made that statement. I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will take his stand on the earth. Moses' father-in-law, after he heard all that God did through Moses, the plagues and the, and the release from Egypt, he, apparently it was a conversion experience for him because Jethro confessed after hearing all that God had done, and he says, I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods. First Chronicles, right, the writer said, I know, O my God, that you try the heart and delight in uprightness. Those were David's last words at the end of his life. This I know, that you try the heart and you delight in uprightness. 
In Psalms, I know, O Lord, that your judgments are righteous. I know that the Lord is great. I know that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted and justice for the poor. Jeff has us looking at Ecclesiastes and twice in Ecclesiastes, I know that everything God does will remain forever. And then I know that it will be well for those who fear God and fear Him openly. Paul says in Romans 7, 18, I know nothing good dwells in me. That's a good, a good knowledge to have. Though we don't like coming to that place, but this is something we should know. Nothing good dwells in us. And then in 2 Timothy, Paul wrote, I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Those are good I know statements. But I um, was reminded of a, acting on the truth article that I wrote um, for His Hill over 25 years ago on the new year and things that we can know. And in that article, in the face of all the uncertainties, the things that we don't know, this we can know. God is good and will be good to all. Scripture says this. We live in a fallen world. We know that. Life involves tribulation. We know that. We don't know what this new year holds for us. It could be great trials. I am so ready for the COVID stuff to be gone. I would be so happy to have, never have another conversation about all that is going on with COVID. And it's all the time. It's, it, I am so thankful to live in Texas with the freedom that we have. Um, I received um, a, a text with an, with an accompanying video um, on New Year's Eve from New Zealand, where they had already celebrated their New Year's Eve. And a friend of ours that lives there sent a little video from a pastor in New Zealand who on New Year's Eve, while he was away from his home, had his home broken into and ransacked. He didn't know what had happened. Didn't know who had done it. He checked his voice messages on his phone, and it was the police who had left a voice message telling him that they were the ones who had ransacked his home. Pastor for 30 years, Never done anything wrong to get in trouble with the law. But some neighbor called in and said, he is a gun owner, and I think he is at risk. And so the police broke into his home, ransacked the whole house, found his gun safe, ripped it off the wall, took the whole gun safe, found in another room in another closet some ammunition, took that away, but just ransacked the whole house for no good reason. And this man is angry, and he's almost in tears saying, this is the country that we live in. I'm a pastor. I've done nothing but serve people my whole life. And now I have my home broken into. And it's not a just world that we live in. And we cannot be certain of justice in this life. All we can be certain of is tribulation and trial. 
and of injustices that are going to take place. But God is good, and He is good to all. God can only do that which is good. In His omnipotence, He is fully committed to our good. And additionally, because Christ is the all in all and is fully God, He is wholly able to accomplish the good that He wills for you and me. He cannot be thwarted. And that good is conformity to Jesus Christ. And there is nothing that can happen in this world that can keep God from accomplishing His purposes for you and me. Romans 5.3 speaks of the tribulation and says, not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance proving character, and proving character hope. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. It is my prayer that as we hear bad news after bad news, that we would not lose hope. Because the tribulation for a Christian can accomplish his proven character. And that character results in hope. Psalm 25, 8 says, God is good and he is upright. Psalm 145, 9, the Lord is good to all. You and I are not exceptions. As bad as life may be at times, we listened to a testimony this morning on the radio on the way into church, and this brother in Christ is talking about one son committed suicide. Eight years later, a daughter was killed tragically. A little bit after that, he went through another um, great physical trial in his life. And um, life is hard, but God is good, and he is good to all. None of us are ever an exception to that. So God is good, and God is good to all. A second certainty is that God's grace will be sufficient. Amen? God's grace will be sufficient. No matter what the trials are that come this year or the magnitude of our weakness and our inability to handle those trials, the grace of Christ will be sufficient. There is no question about this. It is absolutely certain that His grace is sufficient, and that He will make all grace abound to us. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, Paul said, He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses that the power of Christ might dwell in me. And then in 2 Corinthians 9, 8, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. We are weak people. I'm reminded of it every moment of my life, it seems like. I was just talking to the Lord yesterday and saying, God, I am a sheep, and without you as my shepherd, I am as lost as any sheep. I do not, I can't, I, can't I, I don't know what, 
I mean, just it's just crazy. I mean, the, and the older you get, the more inept you feel that you are. I don't know. I spent maybe an hour yesterday trying to book tickets for and only to book them for the wrong month. And I'm just and and using vouchers from a previous ticket that got canceled. And so when I canceled the tickets, they said, "Sorry, it'll take 10 to 30 days to correct this because you were using a voucher." Well, and I'm just going, "Lord, what do I do now?" And it, it, and it, and I'm just and I just go, "God, I just I can't live this life in my own strength." And I and it's just another reminder of how we can truly do nothing apart from Christ. Nothing. And yet his grace is sufficient. We can be so weak and discouraged. Um, we can, can't even think of facing another day. We all get there. I get it. And at times, it's okay to make that known to our brothers and sisters in Christ so that they can pray for us and encourage us. We all need that. But one of the ways that we can gently, with compassion and empathy, that we can encourage one another is to encourage each other with the truth that God's grace is sufficient. And that doesn't always want to be, that's not always what we want to hear, but it's the truth. God's grace is sufficient. I'll never forget that time I was in a board meeting and I was just really trying to throw a pity party. And, um, and all the board were more than willing to join my pity party. And I was enjoying it because they were just, oh, Charlie, oh, Charlie, we need to pray for our brother Charlie. Just keep it coming. <laughs> you, know, I, I, you know, I was encouraged by it. I was ministered to by that. Thank you for your concern. Thank you for your empathy. But one of those board members, dear brother, he just stopped everybody and says, and he says, Charlie has Jesus. He does not need our pity. He has Christ, and God's grace is sufficient for what he's going through. I felt like he had just said, bend over so I can kick you in the rear <laughs> in love. And I'm so thankful for it. He is a dear friend. I'm appreciative of what he said, and it was a jolt to remind me of the truth. No matter what I'm going through, God's grace is sufficient. Another certainty. God is good and will be good to all, and God's grace is sufficient for all that we will go through. And it is also a certainty that we will be closer to Jesus this year and His return than we've ever been. We don't know the day or the year, but we know that we will be closer with each passing day than any generation has ever been to the soon return of Jesus Christ. And most people would agree, we must be very close, very close. Who would have thought we would have seen as much as we've seen this past year that would just propel us toward the soon return of Christ? with the way the governments around the world have coalesced around this, this virus and to shut down our freedoms, to curtail worship, the gathering of believers together in the name of the Lord Jesus, 
These are all marks of what will be taking place before the Lord Jesus returns. Paul wrote to the Romans, if there was ever a man who lived in the, in the hope of Christ's soon return, it was Paul. He truly believed in his lifetime Jesus could come to rapture the church up to be with him. I don't know that he believed that Jesus would come in his lifetime to establish his kingdom, but I do believe from all that Paul wrote, he expected in his lifetime that Jesus could snatch him up to be with him in the air. He wrote to the Romans and said, and this, do, this, and this do, knowing the time, that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep, and now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. The night is almost gone, and the day is at hand. Let us therefore lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousings and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust. You can outline that paragraph, wake up, get dressed, and be ready. Christ is coming soon. This is certain. 20. 22. Amazing. We are almost 2,000 years now from when Christ died on the cross and rose from the grave. We are certainly very close. Again, I'm, I'm not one that's ever been inclined to set dates or anything like that. That's just foolishness. It's been proven so many times over. But the Lord is a God of order, and it's just interesting to me to see the, the different millennia that have taken place and how God seems to work around millennia, thousand-year increments. This, and you can just, I'm not going to go through the timeline, i probably get it wrong, but the thousand years between the creation and, and I think it's when um, um, to up to Abraham and then from Abraham to David and then from David to Jesus and now 2,000 years and then he's going to have a thousand-year millennium and you put it all together, and it's 7,000 years of human history. And we are right on the cusp of this 2,000 years since Christ being finished. may not mean anything, but the Lord tells us that He is coming soon, and we should be dressed and ready. And by being dressed, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Clothe yourself with Him. We are very close to the return of Jesus. There is another certainty, and this one's not hopeful, it's not good news, but it's a certainty, and that is that Christ prophesied that before the end comes, many people's love will grow cold. Many people's love will grow cold. Jesus is probably referring both to the love of God and to the love for others. And aren't we seeing that? Man, isn't it amazing? You can't even have a disagreement of any kind with people. And they are prepared to physically assault you for not wearing a mask. And on and on from there. Just the slightest thing. And people are ready to just be violent. Most people's love will grow cold. When someone passes away, 
And we see people practically dancing on their graves because they're dead. And not a kind thought can be said about so many human beings who's dead. Whether you agreed with them or not, they have just stepped into eternity. And there is, this is not a time to rejoice and to dance on their graves. Many people's love will grow cold. As we approach the return of Christ, we will see people hating more and loving less. This is a reality. Matthew 24, 12, and because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. With those four certainties are four corresponding uncertainties. It is not certain, number one, that we will believe that God is good and that he is good to all, even though he is. It's not certain that we'll believe it. Will I confess in my heart as well as with my mouth that God is good? Will I sing praises to him or moan and groan my way to the end? Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Ephesians 5.19, speaking to one another about COVID and difficulties and liberties being taken away and all that we've been now speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord Ephesians 5:20 always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God even the Father in 1 Thessalonians in everything giving thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If I believe that God is good, then my mouth should be filled with thanksgiving and praises. It is also uncertain that we will consider God's grace, count it, reckon on it to be sufficient, although it is. Hebrews 4.16 says, let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and may find grace to help in time of need. If it were certain that we would all go to the throne of grace to receive grace and help, the author of Hebrews would not need to have said that. But it's not certain. Though God's grace is sufficient, it is not certain that Christians will go to God for His grace. And so we have to be exhorted. Go to God. Go to the throne of grace and receive grace to help in your time of need. It is uncertain that we will be alert to the return of Christ, even though we are closer to that day than any people have ever been. Will I live putting on the Lord Jesus and making no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts? Will I look to Christ in all the circumstances of each day should his return be delayed? I can. And we should. And we should encourage one another. Look up, for the day of your salvation draws nigh. Look up. It is not certain, though most people's love will grow cold before Christ returns. It is not fixed. It is not certain that that has to be the case 
for you and I. I am very hopeful that that would not be the case. Romans 5 tells us that the love of God has been poured out within our hearts. That's already been accomplished. God's love is in us. So there is no reason for the believer in Jesus Christ to ever have his love for Christ and for others to grow cold. God has made every provision for ensuring the possibility of growing in the knowledge of God's love. His love has been poured out, and he's made every provision in Christ that we could grow in love, where the world around us is becoming more hateful and violent, that we can become more gentle and more loving in that context because of the provision that's been made for us in Christ. We can draw near to God. We can walk with him who is light and love. And we can abide in Christ even when the world around us, its love is growing cold. That does not have to characterize you and I. We can be different from the world around us, and we are. So this is going to be a short sermon. Christ is the ultimate certainty. Isaiah 44, God himself speaks and says, there is no other rock. I know of none. <laughs> so when God says, I don't know of another rock, there is no other rock. I love that passage. There is no other rock than God. And what a sure rock he is. Jesus will say at the end of the Sermon on the Mount where we're looking, he says, build your house on the rock, which is his words, and the house will never fall. All that should be true in our experience will be true and is true as we abide in him. And we are certainly able to abide in him who is life in this new year. I've had different men in my life. And Oswald Chambers, and I never knew him personally, not old enough, but he wrote about it. And I've heard many others over the years say there are no circumstances in which we cannot abide in Christ. None. And I appreciate that deeply. So the certainties, God is good and will be good. And we will finish 2022, whatever happens, being able to say, as we say right now, God was good in 2021. He was very good. Amazing how much we've experienced the blessings of God in this past year. Totally God's grace. And he will be good this coming year, every single day, to every one of us. No matter what we go through, God's grace will be sufficient. One of the problems of getting older is that you also, not only do you become more inept, but you become more fearful in your own humanity. That's what happens. You become more anxious, you become more fearful, you worry more easily, and there's no reason for this. Because our eyes are on him whose grace is sufficient, who is our rock. The Lord Jesus could come at any moment. Ian Thomas used to tell us all the time, I am not going by underground, I am going by air. He was mistaken. But I was so moved by how his, his conviction that Jesus could come at any time 
keeps you on the alert, keeps you ready, putting on Christ each day in each moment. And though most people's love will grow cold, that is the reality of the world we live in. We, that, it's helpful to know that. We live as we approach the return of Christ, we, simultaneously in those days, most people's love will grow cold. It's good to know that in advance. It's another sign that we're at the end. Rejoice. Look up. The day of our salvation draws nigh. May our new year be filled with the certain knowledge of Christ himself, his presence with us, his goodness, his love, his power, and his enabling grace. We have every reason to be hopeful, confident, sure, because of God. He alone is our hope and our confidence. Amen? I'll close with some prayer. God, I do thank you for these simple truths that you really have, have emphasized repeatedly throughout your word. And the most basic being you are good. You are good. And you can be trusted every day in all things. We thank you, God, for this. We have no other rock. It is you. We are but sheep. And without you, God, we do not have within us the capacity for self-direction. We are lost. And so we just express that, God. Our hearts are fearful, just as any sheep heart is. And you know that. And so I would pray, God, that we would be quick to put our eyes on Jesus, fixed on him and the things above, and that you would put our hearts at rest in such a supernatural way that people will see and want to know the explanation for the peace that they see in our lives, a peace that can come from only trusting you. Thank you, God, that your word says that as we come to you in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, making our requests known to you, that the peace of God will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That is another certainty. It is certain that nothing will separate us from your love. It is certain that you remain unchanged and true and faithful. And that in all the turmoil of this world, God, you remain true. And our hope is not misplaced. And we can say as Paul did, I know my God. And the one that I have placed my trust in will fulfill and will not disappoint. In Christ's name, amen.